I was just experimenting with every possible avenue to try and heal my body. I had gone through a period where I had destroyed myself with drugs, sex, and rock and roll. For me, taking my health seriously or taking it to the next level is absolutely paramount. Without taking care of yourself, you cannot take care of anyone else. We as a species have so dramatically changed the face of our planet that we can't go back in time in, at any length. We can only go forward and create a new paradigm. You want to be sure that you're eating or eating enough food-based DHA, essentially the fatty acid that I believe is one of the primary factors for the growth of our brains. Once you get outside, specifically around the hours of 11 a.m. and 2 p.m., those are the most beneficial times typically for people to be getting outside for sun exposure. The power of habit, as a matter of fact, the golden rule of habit changes. Cue, habit, reward. You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on building optimal mental and physical performance into your life, go to naturalstacks.com. Ryan Muncy is probably the smartest guy I know. Trust me, Muncy is the nutrition guy. Ryan Muncy's out there trying to make the world better for all of us. The Optimal Performance Podcast is bold, edgy, creative, entertaining, and epic. Ryan Muncy is my go-to guy. Ryan Muncy is he's the first guy I call. He's making people's lives better. Ryan Muncy's an innovator. All right, welcome to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Muncy. Today, we've got a really cool guest for you. We've got James Broderick, host of Ancestral Health Radio. And the way that I was actually introduced to James is, is pretty interesting. We'll get into your background in a, in a few minutes, James, but you know, just for our listeners, you and I are both members of a Facebook group. I'm going to butcher the name because it has so many names, but it's like Quantum Light and it's a Jack Cruz Facebook group. Yeah, it's Quantum Health, Light, Water, and Magnetism. There it is. It's all the Jack Cruz biohacking stuff. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes for this episode if you guys want to check out that uh, Facebook group. Really cool stuff that gets posted in there. And Jack was recently a guest on James's podcast, and Jack made a post in the group giving incredibly high praise to James for some of the questions and, and some of the information that he pulled out in that podcast. So that made me want to get James on our show and bring some ancestral wisdom, some ancestral health hacks, if you will, for us, some things that we can work into our life to, to integrate optimal health with this ancestral wisdom that James has acquired through his pursuits. James goes by the, the nickname, the hairless ape. So, you know, he, he's, he's kind of a primal dude. We're going to get into some of that in a little bit. But first, a few housekeeping notes for you guys. As always, go to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to see the links and resources along with the video version of this. If you are watching on video, you can already see that James has some red light behind and above him. It is three hours later in the day for me, so I've got some blue light in front of me. 
Well, maybe we'll talk about light hacking. Maybe we won't. Uh, I know we'll have lots of links for you guys to pursue these rabbit holes that we talk about. Of course, go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. If we read your review on the air, we will hook you up with free Natural Stacks products as a way of saying thank you for your support. I got one from Susan in Australia. Uh, short and sweet, uh, she just says, Ryan, you and the OPP slash Natural Stacks team are just super cool. Susan, you're super cool. Thank you for your support. Thanks for listening. Thanks for taking the time to send that in. Last but not least, as you guys listen to the OPP, when you hear things that we talk about that resonate with you, that help you, that you know make you think, oh, I wish so-and-so knew this, share the OPP, share this episode and the podcast in general with the people in your life that you know will benefit from the things that we're talking about here. Uh, you know, that's how we help more people. That's how we grow this thing. Thank you guys for listening, and thanks for sharing with your friends and family. James, public service announcement is over. You have a great website. The, the podcast is really cool. It's something that definitely piques my interest. You know, I'm sure our listeners want to hear more about how you became the hairless ape, how you became you know, an ancestral health expert. You know, on your website, you say, I love the way it's written. You know, you, you talk about helping people align uh, our genetic makeup for peak health, fitness, longevity uh, with actionable how-to advice. You know, that resonates with us. We want every podcast that we put out to have actionable advice that people can implement right away. So tell us a little bit about how you got started and, and how you became an expert in this. Absolutely. Uh, and thank you for having me on, by the way. It's it's a pleasure. I, I actually, I love your guys' product too. I actually have some of the whey protein, the cacao version, if anybody's wondering, in my refrigerator right now. And um, how I got into it was really just kind of making a lot of mistakes. I think that's how most people come into this type of arena, this arena of health, is uh, it's kind of a plug and play your own adventure in the beginning. So for me, it was a lot of experimenting. I almost kind of felt like Tim Ferriss in the four-hour work week where maybe a Ben Greenfield actually might be better, where I was just experimenting with every possible avenue to try and heal my body. I had gone through a period where I had destroyed myself with drugs, sex, and rock and roll. Let's just put it that way. So for me, it was very important, along with my history, my family history. A little bit about that is four out of six of my aunts and uncles have passed away from drug and health-related illness. And last year, my father passed away from both diabetes and dementia caused by Parkinson's. So for me, taking my health seriously or taking it to the next level is absolutely paramount. Without taking care of yourself, you cannot take care of anyone else. And that's kind of uh, the motto that I run by. So for me, that's what what happened. I had, you know, I'd run most of my life on my own program. I was doing things that were very selfish and really, you know, I was only looking out for number one in a very negative kind of way. Now I look out for number one, but I look out for number one so that I can take care of other people. So for me, it started off wrecking my life with drugs and alcohol and then coming to a place where I needed to take care of myself and nourish my body. And I found that at a little health food store called Mother's Market and Kitchen in Huntington Beach, California. And there I kind of found myself, I guess you could say, within the, those uh, tall aisles of natural supplements because this place had everything you could possibly imagine. It's like a, a tiny Whole Foods but with a concentrated of everything you could ever possibly want there. So 
I worked in the supplement department there, believe it or not. And so my background is in natural and holistic supplements and helping people that would come in. I, I think I got very lucky at the time that I worked there because I was surrounded by individuals that were extremely passionate and open-minded about with what they did there. So not only did I get an amazing education because a lot of the formulators of these companies would actually come and they would teach you and they'd want you to know about their product because obviously they want you to sell for them. But on top of that, I got to really get a strong education through that company, which was really amazing. And during that time, I, I heard or read somewhere about something called the caveman diet. And at the time, it was eating raw meat and eating plants that I had never even heard of. So, yeah, it was crazy. I, you know, it was like, this was back in the day, man, a long, long time ago. This was maybe like eight, nine years ago. And I'd never even heard of Dr. Lauren Cordain or Rob Wolf or Chris Kresser, none of these guys, Mark Sisson. Actually, Mark, I think may have been the first person to really turn me on to what is now known as the paleo diet. His version is the, the primal diet. It's got a little bit more flexibility. I kind of followed that route and that took me in a direction that I had never been in before. People that knew me were like, James, are you, are you on drugs again? Like what, what the hell are you doing? Like you have so much energy. You're, you're bouncing off the walls. And the way that I felt, it was just testament to what I was doing. So I continued on that path and feeling so good and knowing that my health was finally coming back to me. I was wondering to myself, what else was there out there? What other hacks, I guess you could say, what other things could we look for through our evolution that would help optimize our day to day? So through that idea, I spent the next four years essentially learning four or five years learning only about ancestral health and online marketing so that I could take this skill set and this knowledge that I had today and teach it to other people because I knew that working in that environment, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to help other people reclaim their health. So that's kind of my start. That's that's where I got started. Mother's Market, Southern California, paleo diet, helping others. Awesome. I love it. You know, James, you said something in the very beginning there that, that I want to highlight. And before I do, I'm going to shamelessly plug a, a new course that, that we just put out uh, with Natural Stacks. It's completely free. Uh, it's called Totally Eliminate Procrastination. It is a three-day course with a bonus fourth module from Grandmaster of Memory, Matthias Ribbing. That bonus module is a 10-minute memory upgrade, permanent memory upgrade. And in that course, we talk a lot about overcoming inertia and, and habits and, and the mindset. It's a great product, great course. Like I said, it's free. So if you guys are interested in that, we'll have a link to it on the show notes page. But one of the things that, that, that you mentioned that, that is kind of paralleled in, in our course there is you know, you talk about if you don't have your health, you can't be there for anybody else. And, you know, one of my mentors, uh, you know, who, who we mentioned in that course, uh, always taught us um, when I started my first business, the, the gym was, you know, put your own mask on first, uh, just like they tell you in an airplane. If you don't get it on, if you can't breathe, you can't help anybody else. So I love uh, that analogy. I, I really like that, that you start with that. And, and, you know, I think most of our listeners are, are there. I think they, that we, we grasp that, we get that. All that said, and now hearing your background and studies, you know, how do you define ancestral health? What does that mean to you? So I like to define ancestral health as essentially a lens, a lens that we can view different relationships, whether that be to our food, to our community or to our land in a way that is wholly sustainable and systemic. So 
viewing it through an evolutionary lens, taking into account our past as a species and how we can use that lens to further us into the future. So it's not about romanticizing the caveman. It's not that I want to go back in time. Um, I've learned through Peter Michael Bauer of Rewild Portland that we can't talk about a subject like this linearly because we as a species have so dramatically changed the face of our planet that we can't go back in time in at any length. We can only go forward and create a new paradigm. So that's kind of how I define ancestral health is how do we look at our health? More specifically, I like to talk about relationships and how do we use our relationships that mimicked the sustainable ancestral life ways of our forebears. And because we can look at we can look at the past and we can see that we as a species have lived sustainably on this planet with natural law for a lot longer than industrial uh, the industrial revolution or agriculture has ever been around, which is merely a drop in the bucket. There's a lot in there that that's beautiful. I really like the fact that you're not trying to just copy and paste what happened 5,000, 10,000 years ago, that it's, you know, how do we get as close to that in today's world as possible? I mean, one example that, that comes to my mind right off the bat is that we're, you know, we've had some some guests on recently talking about Wi-Fi and, and electromagnetic fields and radiation. I mean, we're never going to be able to completely eliminate that the way cavemen lived 5,000, 10,000, however many years ago it was. So it'll be really interesting to hear, you know, as we go through the rest of this, you know, how you are able to make some of these changes and, and improve these relationships for, for better health. So we promised our listeners uh, 10 ways to optimize health through this ancestral wisdom you know, that you have accumulated, uh, whether it's from your own studies or, or guests that, that you've had, experts that you've interacted with. Are you ready to knock them off? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, I didn't even write a list of 10 things down. And what I thought we might do actually is I'll go through my own hacks. So I'll teach the audience exactly what I do on a day-to-day basis that helps ground me within the ancestral life ways, but still allowing me to keep one foot in modern times. Uh, you know, um, I'll share with them exactly what I do and hopefully they they can get a little little something out of that. Number one, and this is something that I picked up from Frank Forensich of Exuberant Animal, is go slow and be outside. So that is one of the first things anybody could possibly do, which is slow down their life, possibly by lowering the amount of technology or outer stimuli that we have and getting outside as much as possible. I've heard Frank say that the average human has actually spent an upward of somewhere around 70 years of their time inside. So whether that's going from a car to their apartment to their work, we spend the majority of our days inside. And I think most of your guests will you know, understand that. And that's one of the things I've noticed the podcast has actually taken away from me is um, more time outside. You know, it's taken away my my pleasure of being out in the woods because I live in the Bay Area here and we have some of the most gorgeous ancient growth redwoods here. And it's one of my favorite things to do is to be out there among the like neon colored moss and fern and these ridiculously huge trees. So that's the first thing is really getting outside as much as possible. And what I suggest people do is if they have access to mountains or trails or anything like that, take up a 30 day morning or sunrise hike, because that's something that I know that a lot of people, if they get up early enough, they can totally make this happen. And it is worth all the time in the world because doing this you can essentially immerse yourself in nature and get a lot of these hacks that I'm going to be talking about for absolutely free. 
You don't need any type of special equipment whatsoever. And number one, again, is to go slower and to go outside. And that's from Frank Foran, such of exuberant animal. Very, very important. But the reason behind that is because you can get most of all the hacks that we talk about outside. We as hunter-gatherers had it already figured out. I love this idea that Daniel Quinn, the author of Ishmael, he has this idea that there were leavers and takers. And the leavers were the people who lived in natural law with the other animals. And the takers obviously are essentially people who were born at the advent of agriculture and from there started raping our land for its natural resources and divorcing ourselves from natural ecology. And you can see that all around us. So right now I work a regular job working at a hobby game distribution warehouse in San Jose. And I like telling my coworkers, or at least I did in the very beginning, like look outside right now. There is absolutely no semblance of nature whatsoever. Everything that you see around you has essentially been created. It's a zoo for humans. And so one of the biggest things we can do to get back in touch with our primal selves is to simply go outside. And that's step number one. I try to get out outside as much as possible, less screen time, as much as I can. Going outside, you get a lot of these benefits, like Jack and I were talking about getting direct sun exposure, how humans, not only plants, do have photosynthesis. There are many biochemical properties that happen within the body that we can only do by synthesizing cholesterol, vitamin D, a lot of these properties that we can only get from the sun. So depending on where you live, uh, you may want to look into the l longitude and latitude of where you live so that you can time these um, these excursions outside so that you can expose your larger solar panel, your back, hopefully, to absorb most of the sun's rays because that's just very simple thing to do that also can reset your circadian rhythm or your internal sleeping clock back to full charge. Also being outside provides plenty of the things that we no longer get. I believe Dave Asprey talks about mold a lot, which typically comes from living in environments that, that are stale and that are wet and that um, we could avoid altogether if we were just outside. Before we go too far away from getting outside, I want to go back and you, you mentioned exposing our largest solar panel, which would be our back to the sun. I think I know the answer to this question, but, but for, for those people who live in colder places, what would your advice be to somebody who says, you know, it's too cold to expose my back to the sun for certain months of the year? Okay. Yeah. I know you know where I'm going to go with this because I actually just had a gentleman on before Dr. Jack Cruz. His name is Scott Carney. And Scott actually trained with a very interesting gentleman that your audience might be aware of. His name is Wim the Iceman Hoff. And Wim is a very interesting gentleman, right? He's kind of like, he looks like he would just be your homeboy. You'd want to hang out with him, drink a beer, you know, by a fire. Basically, Wim's claim to fame is that he knows how to regulate his internal body temperature using a technique that I don't think he talks about very often, but it's called TUMO or inner fire. And it's a set of breathing exercises along with brief amounts of exercise and cold exposure that create a hormetic response within the body. Hormetic meaning acute stress. It's kind of the idea that you are going to treat yourself with some acute stress and that is going to build an immune response within your body. So Wim, he likes doing a hyperventilation type breathing technique coupled with brief amounts of exercise and then cold exposure. 
And what this does is it actually sends signals to the body, specifically the metabolism, to instead of shiver, if you can stop your body from shivering, it allows your body to start creating something called brown adipose tissue. And this is essentially brown fat. It's what's on babies when, when they're born because they have so little uh, amount of muscle mass that they can't shiver themselves. So they need this fat to insulate themselves. But as we age, this fat actually, it goes away because we no longer expose ourselves to the environment. We no longer have these in environmental stressors. I love that that's talked about because one of the bigger issues that I see a lot of people have in today's modern lifestyle is the comfortability factor. We're just always comfortable all the time, everywhere. And, you know, for me and my girlfriend, for example, to alleviate some back pain that she had, we sleep on the floor on like these tiny little mats that we bought from Target, I think. You know, they're like, um, they're patio seat <laughs> cushions. So we literally, we just have those on the ground and we just sleep and um, hard surfaces have actually taught my body to loosen up, which is interesting. So it's uh, almost similar to that of a foam roller, but just very subtle. It's very subtle. So back to hormesis, it's the idea that we can train our body to become tougher than what it is right now. And it can happen very quickly. So Wim, the reason why Scott actually wrote this book, Scott is an investigative journalist, and he wrote this book about Wim essentially trying to debunk his myths. And I was like, okay, that's, that's super interesting. And I, I know that he could probably describe Wim's method better than Wim himself, as a matter of fact. So it was really nice having him on. And he was explaining brown adipose tissue and the fact that we can build this adaptation to cold weather. I mean, within a few days, Wim has done plenty of experiments now where they've even done scientific studies showing that they can actually build the same type of immunomodulating response that Wim has within a period of only a few days, like literally three, three days to a week, you can build this type of strength in yourself. And I don't know, Ryan, have you had experience with cold showers or, or the Wim Hof method? I have. And our listeners have probably heard me talk about cold showers, especially if they're on our email list. We send newsletters, we've had blogs. I'm a huge fan of, of almost everything you said. I, I'm just sitting here. I'm like, I, I feel like I'm listening to my soul brother speak or something because Hell yeah, man. Uh, I, you know, I, I love cold showers. I love the idea of forcing ourselves outside of our comfort zone. I hate to go back to this procrastination course again, but you know, in, in module one, we talk about developing the mindset to overcome procrastination and, and it, it centers for me, it centers around the fact that, that comfort is the enemy of motivation. The more comfortable you are, mm -hmm. the less likely you desire change. And if, if you want change in your life, you, that desire for change has to overcome your desire for your current level of comfort. So me personally, I've always done things to kind of force myself to be uncomfortable, whether it's cold showers or anything. To avoid going off on a tangent, we'll stick with with cold therapy. You know, I was I got to go speak at the biohacking summit in Finland uh, last November. We got to do a lot of cold thermogenesis stuff there. Ben Greenfield was there. He and I and and everybody else jumped into frozen lakes with you know snow coming down and ice on the lakes over there and straight into Finnish saunas and. You know, ever since, even, I think even a little bit before then, I started, you know, because it was November, it's winter now, and as we're recording this, you know, I'll go outside on really cold days and just walk around in, in shorts and, and either a t-shirt or, or if it's nighttime or if it's daylight, I'll take the shirt off and try to get some of that sunshine, you know, on my skin. Huge fan of this. You know, it's something that's talked about a lot in this Facebook group, you know, that we mentioned at the top of the show. Um, 
So there's huge benefit to that. It, it's great to have somebody who can come on the show like you and and give it what it's due. You know, you, you're you're very well spoken and able to talk about the benefits of it very well. So it, it's great to have somebody on the show, you know, like you to talk about it. So and, and the other thing too is you know that I've been doing is I've recently we had snow here recently. We were in Colorado recently, so. I'll just go lay in the snow and do snow angels or, or swim in the snow. And, That's awesome. <laughs> uh, you know, anything just it's, it's psychological, but it's also physiological for me. I love things that have benefits on multiple levels like that. Yeah. And you know, doing things that are extremely physical like that. So Scott makes a point saying that, and I mentioned this, this technique called TUMO, which is essentially the, the breathing technique that Wim practices and preaches. Basically, what that is, is monks will actually go through a specific tantra or have some type of vision or image in their mind, and they'll focus on that, and they'll focus on that, and they'll focus on that. And after maybe 10 years, they'll be able to reach this level of, I'm not going to say enlightenment, but this physical prowess that allows them to modulate the heat within their body. And you can do that in a lot shorter period of time by making yourself physically uncomfortable. I think that's, that is the biggest thing is getting out of your head and into your body. Most people these days, they don't have this sense of feeling. They don't listen to their intuition or their gut these days. And you know, they may feel it and then ignore it, but there's a lot of emerging science now that I'm actually releasing a show today on gut health and the vagus nerve and how the vagus nerve actually controls a lot of signals and impulses to and from different areas of the body. So for example, um, one of the biggest studies on the microbiome as of yet has been this, this idea that most of the dopamine and most of the serotonin that these happy chemicals are created in the brain, whereas we're now finding that 90% of the serotonin is actually from your second brain, which is your gut, to the brain in your head. So they're finding out a lot of different studies that basically we are a symbiotic organism and there is a whole ecology within our body that we need to be taking care of. And let me back up actually real quick. Sure. I want people to understand something real quick. I am no expert. I am not an expert. I will denounce that till the day that I die. I stand on the shoulders of giants. I listen to people like Ryan. I listen to people like Daniel Vitalis, Ben Greenfield, Dave Asprey. I listen to a lot of other people who are a lot smarter than myself and that's how we get better. I just wanted the audience to understand that I'm on this journey with you guys. I may just be a couple steps ahead. Todd Henry has this awesome idea that most people, we're not experts, we're Sherpas. We just want to be a couple steps ahead of you on your trail with an outstretched hand. That's it. You know, I'm not looking to become an expert or anything like that. I'm just looking to be a student of life. Maybe that brings me on to somebody that I respect highly within the ancestral health field, and that's Daniel Vitalis. I consider Daniel Vitalis and his mentor, Arthur Haynes, people that I really look to for a lot of my information. And the reason is because they're smart and they've done their homework and they have dirt time. They've been doing this for a long time. And on top of that, Daniel does or talks about something called conscious omnivory. And this is kind of my diet. Conscious omnivory is the idea that we eat from the four kingdoms of life. And it's important that we don't call it food because we are indeed, as Arthur would say, we are taking life. Regardless of whether you are eating plants, you're eating insects, you're, you're eating fungi or bacteria, we are all eating from a kingdom of life. And if it weren't for our ancestors being incredibly good hunter-gatherers, you know, we wouldn't be here today. So with that, this idea of conscious omnivory is eating from those four kingdoms, which is plant, 
animal, bacterial, and fungal. If you cover those four areas and assuming that you're eating a mostly wild diet or as close to as bioregional as you possibly can, your health will optimize itself. And so how I try to do that is by a few things. And I'll give your audience the exact template that I use. I do practice something called intermittent fasting and intermittent fasting for people that, you know, aren't aware of this is simply having something called an eating window. I basically skip breakfast and I have lunch and I have dinner. So I have two main meals during the day. And instead of this old paradigm of eating six small meals throughout the day to keep your metabolism stoked, which is not true at all, what I like to do instead is have my body go through a quote unquote starvation mode where it releases a lot of beneficial hormones and chemicals in my body that for me, being a male is very, very important, like testosterone and human growth hormone. So I like to optimize those things as much as possible. I'm 32. You know, I'm getting close to the age where my hormone levels are going to start dropping. And it's very important that I take care of myself in that way. And by practicing intermittent fasting, it's an easy way for me to not only save money from the food that I'm eating, but it's an easy way for me to optimize my hormones. So how I do that is I basically eat in a 16 to 18 hour window, I stop eating at 8 p.m. And then I usually typically eat anywhere between 12 to 1 or 2 p.m. the next day. I almost always have something called a fatty coffee. And I took fatty coffee from Abel James from The Wild Diet. I'm pretty sure it's been way more popularized by a gentleman named Dave Asprey when he his is bulletproof coffee. And, you know, I do do the whole bulletproof coffee thing, right? So what that is... Do you drink your coffee before that meal at 12 or 1? You drink it like from when you wake up through, right? So a lot of people, they think that by eating my fat, that I may break my fast, that eating fat is going to break my fast. When in reality, what you're more looking out for is regulating your insulin levels, making sure that the hormone insulin that regulates blood sugar is low because that is the key to fasting because as long as you keep those levels low, your body is going to produce something called ketones or endogenous ketones depending on how much fat intake that you have. And so what I like to do is I'll have this fatty coffee and this is exactly what I put into it. I usually use grass-fed butter. I'm not going to name any names or anything like that. Grass-fed butter, one to two tablespoons. I'll use four sigmatic coffee which is a mushroom coffee, which usually has chaga and reishi. The one that I have, actually the tea that I have is reishi, but it's chaga and lion's mane, which has neuroprotective properties. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ryan. We got to get you some of our myco products. We just came out with a new line as well. So I, I'm well versed on, on what all of those mushrooms do. Okay, perfect. Good. And again, I'm always learning. If anything, I'd like to be called a generalist. I'd rather just know a little bit about a lot. And that's kind of my approach on the podcast as well. So I add that Four Sigmatic Coffee, which has one of the kingdoms in there, which is the mushrooms, the, the mycelium. And then on top of that, I will add the butter with C8 oil. You know what? I will give an alternative to what's out there. And I buy it on Amazon. It's Mickey T's C8 oil. It comes in a black bottle. It's like 40 bucks. And I usually put one to two tablespoons of that. It's tasteless, actually. And it's just a concentrated form of coconut oil. It's the part of the coconut oil that is most readily used by our brain and a lot of the muscles and tissues in our body. It's called caprylic acid. 
And just so to clarify for listeners, when we say things like C8 or C10, that's the number of carbons in the fatty acid chain. So the C8 is the shortest of those MCTs. Perfect. Thank you, Ryan. And that really provides a lot of clarity for me. And, and just to make it taste a little bit better, I add a little bit of raw cacao powder and some cinnamon in there, some Ceylon cinnamon specifically. Ceylon cinnamon is going to be the type of cinnamon that most helps with regulating blood sugar. And that usually sustains me for, I mean, again, you know, until 12, 1 to 2 o'clock, and I'm good. I sip on that thing almost all day, and I'll, I'll have a tea with me, which is usually a pu'er tea, which is a fermented green tea. It's actually black. I will actually sip on that tea for most of my day until I actually have my first meal. And my first meal is actually always going to be some sort of fermented foods. Right now, I have kimchi, I have turmeric, sauerkraut, and... Geez, I think I've got some jalapeno sauerkraut in there too. But I love my fermented foods and my bone broths. Those are like I must have every single day. I mean, I have to have them. I'm <laughs> laughing. My refrigerator is full of the exact same stuff. Personally, I do not like kimchi, but I am aware of, of the benefits of, of fermented foods. So when I recommend them, I say sauerkraut or kimchi. But my refrigerator has probably three or four mason jars full of homemade bone broth and three or four mm. different types of sauerkraut on any given day. And it's funny because that's, that's usually the first thing I eat as well when I break my fast. So repeat that type of tea, the fermented green tea. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I buy it from a company called Numi, N-U-M-I. I'm pretty sure you can find it at Sprouts or Whole Foods or anything like that. It's a fermented green tea and it's actually black and it's called Pu'er tea. And this specific kind of tea is, I believe it's the actually only fermented tea that I know of. But it's funny, I actually heard about Pu'er tea from Tim Ferriss. And he used that with his fasting protocol. And you know what? I just like the taste of it. It has a very earthy, woodsy type taste. It's kind of strong for people that aren't used to drinking tea, but I really, really like it. I love that. And I love the Rishi turmeric ginger tea also, which is really, really good. I, I love that one also. And that's pretty much how I start my day. When I wake up, the first thing I drink is a 16-ounce glass of spring water, spring water being the key. Let's talk about the importance of water. I know that's a huge topic in the Facebook group, and there's a lot of misconception and, and lack of clarity when it comes to the correct water that we need. Yes, yeah, so there's a lot of different types of water out there, alkaline water, um, reverse osmosis water, but the closest thing that if you want to get the best type of water, the water that has literally been filtered by Mother Earth, you want the stuff that comes directly from the ground, which is spring water, if you can do that. The next best option would be well water. And then after that, you might want something, a reverse osmosis machine in your house or anything if you can't possibly get those two options. And you might want to treat your water then with maybe a little lemon and lime for a little bit of that acid and the alkalinity from those fruits. And then what I like to do is on my countertop, I have a big mason jar full of something called Sol, S-O-L-E. And all it is is pink Himalayan sea salt rocks, and they've been diluted in spring water. And what I do is I take a teaspoon of that and I add one teaspoon for every eight ounces of water. And that hyper mineralizes the water again. So I even add that to my spring water. So every morning I'll have a 16 ounce glass of Sol water is what I call it. And that is the first thing that I have. From there, I will then make some tea, usually pu'er, and then have my coffee. 
And after I have those and it's one or two o'clock, I'll break my fast with one of the homemade sauerkrauts that I have here with the bone broth and any type of bone broth, by the way, as long as it's from a pastured animal is going to be absolutely fantastic. And one of the reasons why we do that also is because it helps heal a leaky gut and provides a specific type of protein called collagen, which we normally don't get from many other sources. So it's an absolute must for me. I, I have to have those two things to break my fast. Otherwise, I just don't feel whole. I don't know, you know, I have to have those. I'm very ritualistic about everything, so. That's great, I love it. There's something to be said sometimes for routine and conditioning. If I am working with athletes and they know this works and this sets me up for this type of performance, why would you change it when it matters most? So, you know, there's nothing wrong with being in a routine doing the same thing. I do want to point out to one other thing. I alternate between two different morning routines. One of those routines, I have what I call my morning detox drink. It's not a detox drink per se. It's just I needed a name for it instead of listing all the ingredients that I put in it. One of the ingredients is a teaspoon of sea salt. When I don't do that drink, I take exogenous ketones first thing in the morning. If I do the detox drink, then I'm usually having fatty or bulletproof coffee, whatever you want to call it. I do intermittent fasting, and I'm either getting ketones from exogenous ketones or doing the coffee, and I'm adding salt first thing to the first thing that I drink every morning. So if people hear you say that, that you're hypermineralizing, that you're taking salt first thing in the morning, and they're like, oh, wow, that's kind of weird. I will second that. I feel night and day different. As soon as I wake up, I've been doing it for years now, so I actually travel with salt or ketones so that I can do it when I travel because it, you feel instantly awake. I don't have the words to describe it. You just feel better. You feel alive. You feel the way you want to feel. You know, it's funny, the first experience you ever have with somebody when you hand them a glass of spring water, too. Number one, the look on their face when you tell them that you went, you just drove two hours to your local spring to go pick up water from a, the side of a mountain. Number one, the look on their face is precious. And then number two, almost immediately, I get the same kind of response, too. So actually, they'll take a hesitant sip of the water first. And they'll be like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. They'll take another sip and it'll be a lot bigger than the first one. They'll do one of these things. They'll smack their lips a little bit. Mm, what was that? That is different. What You know what? I, I don't have a – just like what you said. I don't know how to describe this, but it's just crisp. That's, that's what I get almost 90% of the time. It's crisp. It just has this crisp taste to it. And that's because the water is alive. A lot of the things that traditional water companies do is they kill the natural bacteria with UV light. And so you're actually destroying a lot of the beneficial microbes that actually help your microbiome with processing and creating and synthesizing a lot of the nutrition that you actually feed your body. I think that's a, a misconception a lot of people get is they don't realize that it's the bacteria in your gut that is creating the nutrition for your body. One of the key strategies that I have is to, number one, take care of your gut. And when I was working at Mother's, that was the first thing that we would ask. What exactly are the supplements that you're taking now? And if they didn't have one of two things, we would recommend it, which was, number one, we always went back and forth trying to decide whether or not what was more important, omega-3 fatty acids or probiotics. We almost always deferred to probiotics because without a, a healthy intestinal lining and a strong gut, you were essentially just going to be flushing all those expensive supplements down the drain. James, these are, these are great. For the sake of time, I want to recap. It sounds like we've got slow down, get outside, try to drink spring water. That's our, our best option for water. Eat from the four kingdoms of life. This is the, the conscious omnivory. 
take care of our gut. There's probably a few more in there that we mentioned that I didn't get written down, but hopefully our, our listeners picked up on those. We'll kind of go rapid fire through a few more of these just so we can see how many we can give and deliver to our listeners. Absolutely. And you know what? Let me just finish up the conscious omnivory real quick then. I didn't describe what I did after I broke my fast with bone broth and fermented foods. After that, it's very key that I try and get as many vegetables or green leafy vegetables, more importantly, into my diet. So I always have a huge colorful salad. And the one I almost always defer to is a Greek salad. And that's just a personal preference. But not only is it loaded with healthy fats from the the olive fruits and from the olive oil that I use, it also has certain kinds of fibers that also help feed my microbiome things like artichoke, onions, those things are also extremely beneficial to feeding the bacteria in your gut. And what I like to do is top that with sardines, which are extremely packed with omega-3 fatty acids, coenzyme Q10, which is basically it helps feed the mitochondria of our cells. And then after my big colorful salad that I always have is my main meal. And my main meal is typically fish usually. I love seafood. That's one of my favorite things. I've got like a huge carton of Kumamoto oysters over here in my corner. I will always have just maybe like a palm full of protein because you actually don't need that much protein as people were to actually think beforehand. And then I always have couple that with one to two cups of cruciferous vegetables, which cruciferous vegetables, if your audience isn't aware, also helps um, mitigate negative effects of estrogen and xenoestrogens within our environment. And then I, again, have some type of dark leafy greens with that, kale, collard greens, or whenever I'm at my local farmer's market, I try to make it a point to always pick up some type of new leafy green that I had never cooked before. So I think I've got dandelion greens actually in my refrigerator right now. I don't think I've cooked with dandelion greens before. Also, I try to rotate some type of a fall which is organ meats into my diet once a week. So I do have like the biggest beef liver that you have ever seen. I mean, the stuff that you guys typically get at a regular grocery store, it's all pretty and perfect. And like when you get a beef liver, this thing is bigger than my whole forearm, guys. It is enormous. And so that's going to be like four meals for me. I don't eat very much meat. You know, when people from the outside, they see me, they think I'm vegan or vegetarian, you know? So it's kind of an interesting interesting conundrum, but it gets a lot of people talking about it and that's what matters. So let's move on and I'll talk about some of the other things that I've learned from some of my other guests because there's a lot in there. And one of the people that I want to talk about is Frank Forensich. He runs a website called The Exuberant Animal and he writes for Paleo Magazine, but he has a concept called The Long Body. And the long body is something that I've really taken to heart because this is what I was talking about earlier as far as our relationships. It's not simply nutrition. It's not simply your fitness. It's how we interact with our tribe, our community, and land. So there are things called blue zones around the world where typically people can live past 100 years of age. And they found that these people actually live that long, not because of necessarily their nutrition, but more importantly, because of the relationships they have with their health, with the people around them and their environment. So that's just something to really keep in mind. Frank calls that the long body. And and where he got that is, you know, today's culture, we take the short body approach or the short approach to health and nutrition and fitness and community. So when we're talking about the long body, we're, we're talking about the long body in a sense that we, we're taking the long approach. This is something that is going to be generational. Yeah. I mean, you hear that it, it's like playing the long game. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. But in regards to life. <laughs> yeah. And um, moving on to another one of the guests that I had, and I'm kind of going in in linear order with this, is Ben Belty. And on that episode, we talked about the benefits of wild food, dangers of glyphosate, and having rewilding dirt time. Essentially, what we were talking about earlier, actually getting out and doing the thing that we're learning about. It's important that we understand that also uh, you hear that Ryan and I probably eat a pretty high-fat diet. However, I want people to understand that I do not shun away carbohydrates. That's not something that I do. That's not, I try not to follow a dogma. I just understand that for me personally, I need to be eating a higher fat diet because of my genetics. And if, if we're talking about that, Dr. Jack Cruz actually said it was less my genetics and more my longitude and latitude, which we'll get into that in a second. But we'll talk about the benefits of wild food and how wild food actually has specific constituents and oftentimes has more nutrition than the things that you can actually buy in traditional stores, which have been grown in monocrops. And they have medicinal benefits with them as well. And they help you create a different palate on your tongue, like specifically astringency, like the foods that you notice, the green leafy foods that are very pungent and very astringent tasting. Like your dandelion greens will be. Like dandelion greens. Watercress is another one that comes to mind that's kind of like a, it's a little spicy. Those you can tell have a lot of nutritional value and the closer you get to wild foods, the more they're going to have these type of tastes and, and that's kind of what we're looking to incorporate into our diets as well. So for me personally, I want to someday get the 80, 20 rule going on with the wild food to the commercial food, you know, if I can get that happening. That's a really lofty goal. That would be really cool to, uh, have 80% of your food be wild versus 20% from, you know, commercial store bought quickly. You mentioned Ben Belty and, and the dangers of glyphosate. Just in case somebody doesn't know, glyphosate is Roundup. It's Monsanto. It's, it's all the, the stuff that's sprayed on corn and shows up in, in a lot of our produce. Uh, James, was there anything that you learned about glyphosate? Assume that, that our listeners knew what you knew going into that interview. Was there anything in that interview that you learned that was shocking to you? Well, that glyphosate is pretty much on everything. That glyphosate may be more of a danger than what we had previously thought. And I just want to point out also that in California, it was kind of a monumentous day for us here on the West Coast because Monsanto, we kind of slapped them pretty hard. Basically, if people aren't aware, we were actually now able to label that Monsanto grown food essentially is cancerous. We're able to put a cancer sticker on our food now. I don't know if it's actually only been sprayed with glyphosate, but... I need more detail on that. Again, it's just a huge win for us here in California that we're able to do that. Yeah, that, that is huge. I saw that press release. I, I'll try to find it and put the link to that in the show notes for people listening too, because it'd be really cool if, if we could replicate that in every state. So awesome. I hope that we can. And you know what? It's got to start somewhere. So it does. I'm happy that, that it actually happened here. Basically, that's that was the biggest thing. I You know, I wasn't aware that, you know, glyphosate can even be on organic foods as well, too. The spray, the mist, the crops where they're grown are actually very tight together. So you may have one non-organic farm here and then an organic farm just a little bit down the way. And the chemicals that they're spraying onto their farm totally get right onto your organic food. Oh, yeah. If you're downwind, you're not safe. Exactly. I also had one of my favorite guests and something that is very, very near and dear to me is creating community. And I'm, I know it is with you because that's how we run this business. This is how we, we get our message across is really trying to connect with others. And Arthur Haynes, wow, 
This gentleman, everybody needs to know about Arthur Haynes, period. His work, what he's doing, he is just an amazing, amazing gentleman and so caring. You know, it's rare that you meet people that are so in tune with learning about you and finding out who you are and and how they can help you as an individual. Arthur is one of those people. And he and I were talking about rewilding fundamentals and a lot of the things that you and I are talking about, getting wild food, getting outside, hormetics. I think we also spoke about entheogens, the use of medicinal psychedelic plant medicines. And also for him, more importantly anything than anything is building this type of rewilding community or this human rewilding project, as he calls it. I know we've mentioned a lot on gut health. If you have not listened to the Fix Your Gut Health episode, we had the Fix Your Gut guys on a few months back. That was a hugely downloaded episode. Definitely go back and listen to that one if you have not. I believe it was just called the Gut Health episode. They can actually go check out that episode on my page if they want, which is ancestralhealth.com backslash community backslash Arthur Haynes. And that is an amazing episode, but uh, one that I suggest everyone look into because there was even a documentary that I watched recently. I think it was called The Simple Life. And it was this idea that people in Australia were creating just a holistic community where they all grew their own food. What I found interesting about that documentary was the biggest challenges actually came from one another and the baggage that they brought into the community from society. Yeah, so that was the hardest part was actually learning how to build a community with other people that have come from broken homes and broken relationships and and other traumatic experiences that have been essentially forced upon us by civilization. So that is a key episode I suggest everyone take a look at. We talked a little bit about Scott Carney in the beginning, and I think we could we could probably go on to the next one, which is actually Dr. Jack Cruz. And this episode was pretty awesome, and he gave me a few suggestions, as a matter of fact. And I think one of the biggest takeaways for me was that it's less about food quality and more about more about your environment. So that's what Jack Cruz talks about on my episode. And, and that's what you mentioned or, or alluded to when you mentioned longitude and latitude earlier. Exactly. So there are certain places on the earth that produce more vitamin D during the day than others. And where Jack lives, I'm pretty sure he lives in Texas and near the Gulf of Mexico. And that's why he moved there from Tennessee. He moved there because he realized that the longitude and latitude of where he lived, unfortunately, wasn't providing him with the sun that he needed. And for the fact that where he was living, there was too much non-native EMF or electromagnetic field. So those are fields produced by other electronic devices other than what is produced by our earth. And those can do many things to your body, like specifically dehydrate your cells or the mitochondria in your cells, which then lessen the impact of energy production. That I'm going to give a quick takeaway because he goes pretty deep and Jack, you know, he doesn't believe in dumbing things down. Right. 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 So I will dumb it down for Jack. Okay. Please do. What he wanted you to do in that episode is exactly what we were talking about early. He wants you to get outside specifically around the hours of 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. Those are the most beneficial times typically for people to be getting outside for sun exposure. He wants your back exposed. He also wants you to have all four appendages touch the ground. You want to do this without any shoes on so that you're getting full electromagnetic charge from the earth. I use something sometimes called earth runners, which are just grounded sandals. Also, you you want to be sure that you're 
eating or eating enough food-based DHA. Essentially, the fatty acid that I believe is one of the primary factors for the growth of our brains. So this is going to essentially create uh, – also, it just happens to synthesize and create a lot of different beneficial hormones in the body by upping your fat intake anyway. So you're basically helping the electrical conduits in your body work better by eating a higher fat diet. Also, you want to be consuming that spring water that we were talking about earlier so that we are creating more hydration for the cell membrane or the mitochondrial membrane so that we can produce more energy. He goes into far more detail into that into that episode if anybody wants to check that out. But if you do live in an environment that is radiated, that you are under um, lights that are dehydrating your cells, specifically blue light, well, he suggests that you can take a dip in a pool basically creating something called a Faraday cage or a cage that blocks electromagnetic frequencies. And this can help your bodies essentially rehydrate themselves and protect themselves naturally from the negative effects of NNEMF or non-native electromagnetic fields. So here's a question I would have on that. Maybe you asked him, maybe you don't know the answer. If you don't, we'll have to get him on and I'll ask him. But would the benefits of that Faraday cage outweigh the negatives of immersing yourself in chlorinated water? I think he would because I've also, he would say that the benefits are more important than worrying about the chlorinated water because I believe he uses his own pool and I'm not sure if it's chlorinated or not. We didn't get into that. I would guess that his is probably like a saltwater pool or something. Right, that would be awesome. I hope he does use that. Maybe we'll talk about that later. The reason why I'm pretty sure he would recommend that you still use the pool is because I've also heard him talking about the water in the same way. Like if, if you don't have spring water, just drink from the tap. I've heard him say that before. So although, you know, in some municipalities, there could be 30 different types of <laughs> medications floating around in your water, yeah. Dr. Jack Cruz would still recommend that you at least have water, period, than some other alternative. So in that regards, I think he would also say, you know what, we're going to jump in this pool because the benefits definitely outweigh the, the cons. James, these are, these are all great. This is awesome. This is exactly what I wanted to get for our listeners. Uh, any last pieces of wisdom that you want to throw in before we get to our close? Yes. As a matter of fact, so when you hear me talk about all these different types of strategies, I want you to understand that this is something that you need to take slow and that this is an approach that more than likely, even for myself, it's it's a lifetime process. This is something that I plan on doing over the rest of my entire life. I'm not going to become an expert forager, expert hunter, expert fisherman just by doing this over a couple weekends, you know, taking a couple courses. This is something that, number one, I have to decondition myself from a lot of the ills that I've been born into from modern society. And I need to learn that this is a generational thing. You know, this is something that I'm going to learn, that I'm going to learn and teach to my son and my son hopefully teaches to their children. So, that is the biggest thing that I want people to understand, that this is, more than anything, we need to create behavior change. It's behavior change that is going to help these ideas stick. And having all these little hacks is good to know and everything, but just like Ben would say, you need dirt time. You need to get out there and actually do it and create these habits for yourself. And if you're not familiar with creating habits, a good book to look into is Charles Duhigg. The power of habit, as a matter of fact, the golden rule of habit changes. Cue, habit, reward. So I want people to understand that taking a look at your life, 
objectively and then trying to dissect the areas that you can improve and doing them very slowly because you're understanding that, again, this is a lifelong practice and that you will learn all this in time. And things are going to change. I know it. Science, that's one of my favorite things about nutrition and fitness is that things are changing all the time and that you can never learn or master any one thing because it is always changing. This has been great. It's been a blast. Everything I hoped it would be. Two final questions for you. Number one, where can our listeners get more of you? They can head back to my website, which is www.ancestralhealthradio.com. And um, they can check me out on Facebook. It's James Kevin Broderick. You can also like me on Instagram. James K. Broderick is my Instagram account. Check me out. You can drop me a line, say what's up. I'm super easy to get a hold of. Um, I just want to help people. If you got any questions, shoot them my way for sure. So for you guys listening, we will put links to the website, the podcast, Facebook, Instagram, all the stuff that James just mentioned. We'll have links to that on the blog post for this episode. So again, a reminder to go to naturalstacks.com so that you can see the video version. All of the links, I ran out of space to write down all the stuff that we talked about. So there will be tons of, of links and resources for you guys to follow up on books, people, podcasts, products, the earth runners, all that kind of stuff. James, final question. We ask every guest on the show for their top three tips to live optimal. You've already given us more than three for you know, incorporating ancestral wisdom. So rather than asking you to narrow that down and pick three, you also gave us your final close as a way to think about this. So let's do a little bit different close than the traditional one that we do here on the show. I guess maybe we'll do this part A, part B, depending on your answer to part A. What's the best advice you've ever received? Wow. Okay. I did not come prepared. Let me see. The best piece of advice, not like best three pieces or four pieces. No. Okay. Just best piece of advice. Well, okay. You know what? I know exactly the best piece of advice. And it came from my grandmother, my Nana. And really it was more of a saying and it was life is what you make of it. And how I interpret that is exactly your happiness, your health, your nutrition, your fitness, your community really comes down to you. It comes down to nobody in this world is going to do it for you. You're the one that has to be the change. And if you're looking to make a change with others, that's another thing to learn is that the only person you need to change is yourself. And by changing yourself, you intrinsically create change for others. So life is what you make of it was the best piece of advice I'd ever gotten, which was from my 88-year-old grandmother. That's perfect. Let's just end it on that one. James, thanks for hanging out with us, man. This has been a blast. For you guys listening, again, go to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to see links, resources, the blog post for this. Please go to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Let us know how much you like the OPP. If we read your review on the air, we will send you free Natural Stacks products. And of course, share the OPP, whether it's this episode or the podcast in general, with the people in your life who you know will benefit from and enjoy the things that we're talking about here. We will talk to you guys next Thursday. Thanks a lot for listening. James, thank you, man. Awesome. Thanks, Ryan.